one of one of the drama students who I didn't know from Norman had gone to the University of North Carolina and came to see me about getting internship and which I did get her actually at, with with uh, Niederlander but but the point was I hadn't realized that North Carolina they had a arts management program and she started explaining to me the difference was that programs in the business school is what she told me I mean I, I could be wrong and then I thought to myself through all of my time in the business both in profit and nonprofit that the management of nonprofit companies usually are people kind of came up through the ticketing or something. I mean that, that you know you have a you have a nonprofit company on well, let's just take I don't know let's take something like one of the not the bigger one like Steppenwolf or Goodspeed but one like in Oklahoma City or Dallas or someplace and and most of the time the, the person that's doing the management number one they have no background in the theater to begin with so they don't know what they're dealing with and number two they really are kind of accountants sort of or came out of business school or worse I mean what's interesting I don't know what they're doing it's no wonder these things don't fail and then in New York the the shows well even the touring all these shows are no longer like mom and like they used to be which which were mom and pop operations of you know I mean five people put on a Broadway show and then the management was done out in-house and you know these shows are so big so expensive mm -hmm. and the ticketing everything is so complicated that the companies like Niederlander and things are even in NYMEX and you know, to find somebody that has the background in the theater and also the business manager that understands IT and, you know, all, everything, it's, you don't have anybody that's being trained that way. So, so all the training now goes in-house, patched together. Right. And they basically don't understand what the artistic director needs. No and so most of the time these companies flounder around or they just keep losing money and they, and they just keep getting paid for by the board. Yeah. I mean they will anyway the nonprofits because it, the, the, the way nonprofits work it virtually impossible for a nonprofit to, to be a profitable to be profitable yeah. except if you're the public theater or mm -hmm. you know I mean if you're Joe Papp and you get chorus line that pays for everything for a very long period of time you're you're home free but most of the yeah. time they they just don't function I mean like when uh, Circle Rep in New York when I was the chairman of that which was one of the best companies in New York we floundered because the artistic we got artistic director and the business manager just fell out and then the artistic director wouldn't take any instruction as to don't do this or don't do that and eventually the deficit the one year on what they did became the point where the board just wasn't gonna deal with it or couldn't deal with it so that's kind of why we got the arts management going now out of our students 
I mean, it's just your first year, and I, you know, even though we had the last year, I don't really know. It's going to be. I don't really know which ones are going to want to do anything. I mean, we, you know, I mean, it's hard to know when they take the program. Do they really, you know, are they really want to keep going? I mean, I don't know what you think about it. I think that. For some of the students I've spoken with, they're taking it because they want to apply it to their own careers. Right. They're not thinking of applying it to a theater company or, or to an arts organization, to an orchestra, or, or to a museum specifically. I think they're thinking that they want to apply the knowledge that they gain in the courses to their own career. And, and that was one thing that has become apparent to me over the many years I've been here is that our students were well trained in their discipline, but they, over time, things evolved in the industry. So galleries don't represent artists now the way they used to. And so a visual artist, how are they going to know how to manage their career? And same thing with a quartet, or same thing with a small dance company or an improv company. They don't have financial um, expertise that would help them manage their careers and so I think some of the students get into it from that perspective and I believe that we won't know this for a few years several years over time they may expand they may want to expand their work in into a management arts management so, yeah, entrepreneurship and, and, area and what interested me when we had the well the, the one we did before the collapse the, the last group you know the you know what we're planning for this spring mm -hmm. that although a number of the people came with projects mm -hmm. to the there were several of the projects where the kind of thing we're talking about where where we advised them were really useful for them to continue what they were doing absolutely because yeah. they you know they were actually onto something really interesting yeah but they got stuck at what to do next. Mm -hmm. And what to do next is really not that difficult if somebody had bothered to, to explain it to them. Right, or if they had access to someone. Or they had access. Someone who had and the then, expertise. And then they have to learn how to find people in their own community. So, you know, what you've been showing, where you research even down to emails, <laughs> you know, I mean, to you know, zip codes, I mean, that, if these people had someone advising them with the expertise as to how to how to focus on what they're particularly doing and finding those people that are interested out there and what they're doing, that's what's important. Yeah. And that I think that's a basic of what that is. Yeah, I think uh, that's a great skill to have. What Stan is bringing to the to the class in that way. In yeah, terms and of I knowing you know, how to conduct a and I think it's. I mean, we had a, with the Kirkpatrick Foundation years ago, we we brought in somebody, oh, this goes back 15 years or so, we brought in somebody to, from, from the East who had just done a lot of, who, who does professional fundraising. I mean, organizes, comes in and then organizes fundraising. And he'd done, you know, some really serious things in the East. And he spent about two or three months here in the community, analyzed everything, and gave a report, and it was pretty horrible. 
because the report he came up with at that time is that you have about six people in Oklahoma City, and if they die, everything is going to go under. <laughs> well, you know, like Dick yeah. Size and, you know, people that sure. supported the Philharmonic. And, yeah. But, the, but the, the, there were just a few people that were basically really the main support, and none of these companies like the Philharmonic or the, you know, the ballet company or anything had managed to reach out to build a, a base, a donor base, yeah. because didn't know what didn't know how to do it exactly yeah. well and I think there are misguided attempts so many times also and I started thinking about that decades ago when I was at Houston Ballet because the executive director managing director of that company had no arts expertise at all had no training in the arts no band no art lessons no anything he was a business guy and he decided that since sports were popular in Houston, you could ma you could market the arts like you could market sports. Huge mistake. Yeah. Huge mistake, obviously. <laughs> I mean, and, and obvious even, even to the dancers at that time. He's doing this, he's marketing it like a sports team. And people who like sports are not coming because it's not a sports team. So it was a huge failure. And that's when I first started thinking about how important it was to have what Max described, which is people who know both sides, who have some expertise in both sides you know, and, of the business. And then then the board, and also people, you know, when you're dealing, I mean, we had a play out of city, out of Circle Rep called As Is, I think that was the name, which was one of the first big gay plays, AIDS plays. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge hit at, at you know, at, at, at our company. And then it should have gone off Broadway because it, mm -hmm. it still, the subject matter even in those days was not popular. Right. And, and then the, the, the people that had brought it, who'd written and everything, because it was such a, got such good reviews in New York and everything, they decided to move it to Broadway. And, you know, for instance, the board told them, because it was made up of people in the business, like us, Jim Freiberg and myself, we, we told them, there's not gonna be an audience for it in a big theater. Right. And, and so, rather than Circle Rep getting income from an off-Broadway production on an ongoing basis, mm -hmm. You know, everybody got mad at us, including the Circle Rep artistic people, because we insisted upon selling the rights up front for them to go to Broadway. We just took a cash wow. amount up front to go to Broadway, and then they went to Broadway, and they couldn't find an audience, and it yeah. went under. So I think a lot of that, you know, there's a lot of these intricacies that go into... If we're getting into that sort of, I mean, for instance, to give you an example, um, way back when there were five of us that did a show called Pump Boys and Dinettes, okay, and we did it. We we put it on at the Colonnades, which was about a hundred and some odd seats across from the public, and we got sensational reviews. I mean, they were really. And, and it was a huge hit Fun in its show. day. And so the five of us decided, we had a decision of what will we do with it. So 
the initial response was, we'll take it off Broadway and we'll just stay there. And then I came up with the idea that this was a terrible season. It was a terrible Broadway season. Mm. And there were no musicals. And if we could find ourselves the right kind of situation where we became a Broadway musical, which was in the, we moved to what was called the Latin Quarter, which was called something else, and then it was it was Broadway. I said, what, what would happen to us is we were certain to get nominated for Tony Award. And then, and then we got in the Thanksgiving Day Parade and everything. And then we were on the National Tony Award broadcast. So the show, which is really not a big musical, all of a sudden became a Tony-nominated Broadway musical, which made the tour really profitable. It was also profitable in New York. So, you know, the, just the change of ideas have have something to do with the mar- then then you're into the marketing. You know, which is the best way to take a project and market it so that you can get something out of it that it's not. Um, I mean, it was still, a, it's a really good show, and it ran in Chicago five years and then failed all over the South, practically. But, you know, I think that a lot of that, you know, a lot of these things, these are just things you basically learn over a course of, of and you try to, you know, with students, you try to explain things to them, but a lot of times students think you're out of some sort of dinosaur age, and that, Everything has changed, yeah. but it hasn't it changed. It hasn't changed. It hasn't Those changed. basics aren't going to fundamentals. No, I mean, I mean no. it just hasn't changed. Yeah. And I mean, that's the amazing thing about live entertainment, whether it's philharmonic or dance or theater. Yeah. It really hasn't changed because the nature of the business is putting, as we say, asses into seats. Right. To be, <laughs> and and that has never changed. It has not. Huh? Yeah, it has not. You know, and you get, you know, you get at a university level or whatever it is, you get these, well, I don't mean with my own discussion about dramaturgy, I won't go into necessarily, (laughs) but, you know, nobody really understands that Shakespeare was a theater owner, and he had a theater, and he had people in the groundling that stood during the show. And if they didn't like what they saw, they started throwing things, you see. <laughs> so the show had to have a lot of murders and things going on. I mean, I mean, those shows, I know they're, they're wonderful plays, but they were also written for a contemporary audience of the time. They were, they were an entertainment, yeah, you know. entertainment sure. and, for the masses. And, uh, and now all of a sudden there's all this analytical stuff that goes yeah. on. And most shows... Are written for entertainment, you know. Yeah, when you really get into entertainment communication, and that's what you're about. and I think with that's the other problem. Getting back to what the management thing is, with a lot of these students, they have to understand that when they when they go into a nonprofit situation or they go to work for some sort of a nonprofit, whatever it is whatever that has to be done it has to be have an entertainment value absolutely i mean it doesn't that doesn't mean it's like comedy but it's still you know i think you know 
like the New York, Oklahoma City Philharmonic now has a wide range yeah. of programming that has a better, big appeal. Yeah, it has to be relatable, right? It has Otherwise, to be relatable. People don't care about it. You know, and you just can't sit there. You know, for instance, um, opera. Now the in London they call it the Coliseum, the Opera Company. Uh, I've gone blank having seen one, but anyway, with the, they're very experimental, and I mean they're in the West End, and it's very big. We have a huge theater, but when they did Traviata, they did it in an hour and a half with no costumes, wow. and it was sensational yeah. because they just took out all the boring parts. It's the meat of the productions there. Right. right. And then they kept and it ran indefinitely and they could have put it back in again yeah. because audiences also today they don't want to sit long time. They, they don't do want not. to sit more than you can't That's keep changed. an audience in the theater more than two hours. Mm -hmm. Otherwise they have they're about had it. They have. It's and, that's completely different. Um, so I think it's the English National Opera and, and you know um, I it's just a it's just also, with students, you, and, and that's what I worry about too in in programming, is that one still has to understand, even in a university theater or something, you're you're not there to lecture somebody for two hours. I mean, that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, you're not there to do something that nobody's ever heard of that makes some statement about something that nobody's really interested in. And and when you get to when you get to the UK, to the West End, you're dealing with an audience that already agrees with what you're trying which you know, if you have a play that's got some message. Right. Nine times out of ten the audience already is agreeing with the message, so they don't really want the message. Right, right. <laughs> you know, you yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, don't tell me this because I already, you know, I already yeah. I agree with you. You know, yeah. just but that doesn't mean the place have to be lighthearted. It's just a, no. they can't just sort of bang you on the head with something every constantly. Right. Uh, whatever. It's like the human factor, right? Yeah. It's like what humans people react to when they talk with each other, when they listen to music on their own, when they go to a movie, when they go to a, a, the theater, it's something that they relate to. And I don't, and I agree with Max, I always take exception when we say, oh, we have to educate the audience. I just never thought that was true, that we have to educate the well, audience. Well, and I, I think that's the other problem now is that, you know, I mean, we had that, Sam M knows, before we got into all of this streaming, which we have now, you know, it was always, you can't do this show. Well, the first musical we did in musical theater, which was, uh, oh, uh, you know, uh, oh, the Texas thing, you know. Uh, oh, Whorehouse? Huh? Greatest Little Whorehouse? Greatest, best, okay. We were, best Little We whorehouse? were initially told you can't do that. Hmm because the audience is going to be appalled at this uh, you know but the fact is that audiences you sit home and stream and you watch stuff now like squid game and things there's nothing you can put on the stage that is going to be any more 
whatever than what you people right. watch at home. Yeah. So and the audiences now watch this at home. They don't want to come to the theater and watch <laughs> something that's boring. Right. We had a we had a football game uh, playing Texas A and M here, a big game, and Van Horn was president, uh-huh. and it. I don't. You probably don't remember, but we had those luncheons before the games. Yeah. And then in those days, musical theater always presented something at the luncheon. Yes. So, so, I decided that that was what I was doing. I decided that what we presented would be songs about football from Broadway musicals. See. So anyway, to make a long story short, Senator Graham was here, and the Chancellor of Texas A&M and Van Hoy was a big deal, and. And I closed the the whole program with the Aggies go to the chicken ranch. Texas has a whorehouse <laughs> in it. Right. So, 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 Senator Graham from you know from Texas, Senator Graham came up and said, "Oh, I loved it. It was wonderful." And the next on Monday, Van Horn called me in the office and said, "How could you have?" done that <laughs> Texas people were probably horrified and I just didn't say anything because they all liked it <laughs> so I think you know it's a lot of I think a lot of what we do you know when we're training people you have to you have to you have to make them put things in a perspective in a modern perspective of what where they are you know I mean means that you've got a product that actually people want to see it doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's negative Mm-mm. it's not Mm-mm. doesn't mean you're watching something that's negative right it had a negative connotation for a while though I think yeah it did you know it was like too commercial whatever that is and then you know it's uh, you have such a wide variety of audience base 